Preseason camp is officially in the books, and the start of Notre Dame season is right around the corner. The biggest surprises, takeaways, and lessons from camp coming up next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to Locked On Irish. Today is Tuesday, August 15th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. You can watch this episode on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcast. And if you're new to the program, please hit that subscribe button. I'm Tyler Wojak, and I'm the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And we've got a lot to get to today. Notre Dame wrapped up preseason camp this past Saturday with a 100-play scrimmage. The offense won, by the way. And now the Irish have turned their attention towards getting ready for Navy in the season opener, which is under two weeks away, believe it or not. I'm actually going to be in Dublin for that one. I couldn't be more excited. And uh, hey, if you're going to, let me know in the comments or on social media. Maybe I'll see see you out there. But now that camp is complete, We have a much better idea of what this team is going to look like in the fall. So I want to go over my main takeaways from the past few weeks, which includes a couple surprises, one big one in the offensive line, some really encouraging developments at a couple of key position groups, plus some reports that, you know, maybe aren't as great, but maybe they're not as bad as some people are making them out to be. I'll get to all of those, and then I'll explain what I think this team's identity is going to be in 2023 at the end. But I want to start with the team captains, because I think that alone tells you a lot about this team. Notre Dame announced four team captains on Sunday. Quarterback Sam Hartman is one of them. Not really a huge surprise there, but it is the first time that a transfer uh, has been elected captain in his first season. And this is actually Hartman's fourth time as a captain, uh, fourth time he was selected as a captain in college football, which is just really, really impressive. And it shows you the type of leader he is and the way he can command uh, a roster like he does. So that's great to hear for Notre Dame. Linebacker J.D. Bertrand, no surprise there. He's a fifth-year senior, two-time captain. Now he was a captain on last year's team. Quarterback Cam Hart, fifth-year senior as well, first time being selected captain. Congrats to him. That's really great considering he wasn't even planning on coming back for this season at one point last fall, and now he's here, and now he's a captain, and one of the not only one of the best players on the team, but now a captain as well. And then offensive tackle Joe Alt, uh, the only non-senior elected captain, but he's also the best player on the team, so... It makes sense. He's also become a clear leader, uh, a vocal leader for the entire offense this season. Um, And it's not really surprising. This could be his last year at Notre Dame. It likely will be his last year at Notre Dame. He could be uh, top 10, potentially even top five pick next year. So looking at these four uh, guys, you've got 15 years of playing experience combined among these four going into this season, which is a lot of college football to be played. And uh, these guys have played it at a really high level. Two captains on offense, two captains on defense, and four of the best players in the roster, which is really good because, you know, no one wants to have a captain who's never really going to see the field. No one wants to hear from the guy who's never really going to be playing. It's always like that guy, if you've ever gone, you've been close to the field at like a high school game or a college game, there's always that one dude who's an absolute lunatic, um, usually like screaming really loud, obnoxiously throughout talking trash to the other team. Usually that guy doesn't play a whole lot, and that guy's not a captain. Um, And I don't think that's the case with any of these guys here. These guys are really, really talented players and really good leaders, and that's why they're elected captains. So no real surprises here, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't some surprises coming out of camp. And the one big surprise, uh, arguably two surprises, both come on the offensive line because the starting guards that we all thought 
uh, would be the day one starters when Notre Dame kicks off against Navy. It does not appear that that's going to be the case. We all thought there was going to be Billy Shroth at left guard, Andrew Kristofic at right guard, and now it looks like it's going to be Pat Coogan at left guard and Rocco Spindler at right guard. Um, credit to those two players. It seems like they have won the job by playing really well in fall camp, and honestly, it seemed like they did it pretty quickly because uh, Shrouth and Kristofic were getting a lot of the first-team reps in spring. They were getting the first-team reps when camp opened, and then like a week into camp, you're starting to see Coogan and, and Spindler running with the ones, and it's like, okay, maybe they're just out there to get reps. Rudolph likes to rotate guys, and now we're at a point where it's pretty clear. Those are going to be the two starting guards when Notre Dame kicks off against Navy. Marcus Freeman has not said that the competition is over, but at this point, like, we're so close to the season, you don't want to waste reps with guys who you don't expect to be out there with that first-team unit once the season starts. So credit to them. They won the job, and I want to make that clear. They won the job. Marcus Freeman said that Shrouth had a really good spring, or excuse me, a really good fall camp, and he's still right there in the mix, but it seems like Coogan just flat-out outplayed him. Same with Spindler uh, at right guard over Andrew Kristofic. And one thing that I keep thinking about here, because I'm not going to tell you that I watch every play of their high school film, and honestly, it doesn't even matter if I did, because that was years ago, okay? We're in college now, and I did see some fans that were getting worked up about this because they presume that Billy Shrouth has a higher ceiling, and I would agree with them. I still think that Billy Shrouth is going to have a great college career. I'm not even going to write him off for this season. Um, it just might take a little bit longer than expected. But one thing that I think fans, uh, and this isn't just exclusive to Notre Dame either. This is fans of pretty much every football team at every level. They think they know more than the coaches do, which is so funny because these coaches literally spend more time with these players, watching them practice, watching them play, and analyzing their every single move. And, th and their decisions about who plays and who doesn't will literally affect their entire lives. They spend their entire lives devoted to figuring out who's going to put the team in the best position to win. And these are the two guys that they have selected. So I have no choice but to have faith in those guys because there's a lot more on the line with them. And they know a lot more a hell of a lot more about these guys than any of us fans do. So if they think Coogan and Spindler are the two best options at guard, I'm going to believe them, and I have no reason not to. Um, like I said, I still think Shrouth is going to be in the mix. He could still play some this season, and he could still have an incredible college career, but it looks like right now Coogan and Spindler are the guys. And uh, I, I don't think that changes any of the expectations for the offensive line this season. We know how good the tackles are. I think Zeke Correll is ready to have a great year at center, too. So this was a big surprise. It doesn't change my expectations. And, uh, you know, that's what happens sometimes at camp. Sometimes there's surprises. And, hey, maybe Pat Coogan becomes one of the next great guards at Notre Dame. And Rocco Spindler lives up to all the hype that he came into Notre Dame with as a recruit. And that would be really great for Notre Dame if they had a lot of competition at guards because I think competition is going to bring out the best in these guys. And, uh, yeah, I was really surprised when I heard it. I'm sure a lot of you were uh, surprised as well, especially considering the speed in which they seem to take over these positions. But uh, it's an exciting development, and I can't wait to see how these guys perform in week one. And, you know, if if they start to make mistakes, then I'm sure all the fans are going to be calling for Billy Stroud to come in. And maybe that's going to be a storyline that we follow all season long. But for right now, Pat Coogan at left guard, Rocco Spindler at right guard. And that is going to be our starting offensive line once Notre Dame plays Navy uh, in just a couple weeks here. All right, coming up next, I'll explain why Notre Dame's defense could end up being a strength on this team in 2023. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. 
Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated, natural, science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free, patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. Go to Nutrafol.com men to take their hair health wellness quiz, identify causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning such as stress, hormones, environment, situation, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole body health. And it works. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplements. Look, as guys, we all know we want great hair, even if we're too afraid to admit it sometimes. So I highly recommend Nutrafol to help you get the head of hair you want and deserve. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com men and enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men and enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. That's Nutrafol.com men, promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Thanks again for making Lockdown Irish your first listen of the day. This is your reminder to please like the video below and subscribe to the channel if you're watching along on YouTube. Or if you're listening to the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred platform. All right, let's talk about Notre Dame's defense because I'm ready to say it right now. Top to bottom, Notre Dame is more talent at cornerback than any team I can remember in my lifetime. I know that seems like a stretch to say, especially considering the season hasn't even officially started, but I feel that confident in this group. Again, top to bottom. I'm not saying that these are the two best starters Notre Dame has ever had, but I just think the depth in the room is at a different level than anything we've seen in the past, and I, I could not give enough credit to the cornerbacks coach Mike Mickens for what he has done with this group in a relatively short amount of time, because let's start with the two starters, Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart. Those two guys could be an elite combination out there, and Hart just needs to stay healthy. Um, we know he's dealt with injuries in the past, but Right now, uh, I know we got a little dinged up uh, in an open practice a couple weeks ago, but I still think that Hart right now is in a, in a, in a place where he's going to be ready to go week one. And then Benjamin Morrison, we all saw what he could do as a freshman. I think he's only going to get better this season so long as he stays healthy. And those two, man, that's just a tandem that we haven't seen. I know people like to bring up Julian Love and Troy Pride. Um, Julian Love was incredible. I don't know if either of those guys are quite at his level yet when he was a junior, when he should have won the Thorpe Award, but I think those two are better, or excuse me, these two with Morrison and Hart are actually better than what Love and uh, Pride were combined. And then the thing is, if Hart or Morrison does end up getting hurt, and the safe bet is that Hart is probably going to miss a game or two just based on what's, what's happened so far in his career. It's okay. As long as he's healthy for the big ones, uh, I think Notre Dame is going to be in good shape. But the drop-off from the starters to the backup is is really not that bad. It's certainly not as bad as it was when Love did get hurt against Clemson in that playoff semifinal game, and then Notre Dame threw out Dante Vaughn and then had to watch him get cooked by Justin Ross over and over and over again as Notre Dame ended up getting blown out in that game. Now, is Jaden Mickey or Christian Gray at either of their levels? No, but I'm just saying that the drop-off is not nearly as steep because I think Jaden Mickey is an ideal backup cornerback. And look, I was 
pretty damn critical of Jaden Mickey last year, especially in that USC game when he was just out there on an island getting torched. But he's very talented, he's confident, and he's certainly not afraid of the moment. He might be one of the biggest trash talkers on the entire team, but he has held his own against Notre Dame starting receivers. More on them in a bit. But that's what you want when you bring a backup cornerback out on the field who's like, yeah, I'm ready to go, I'm talented, and I'm going to make plays. You don't want to get put in someone who's afraid of the moment, and uh, when they are afraid, that's when they get beat. Christian Gray is a true freshman, and he had one of the best camps of any true freshman after he dealt with an injury in the spring, so it's great to see him back on his feet there uh, and playing really well. But that's not really that surprising given how he looks physically and how highly touted he was as a recruit. And if you think about it, Christian Gray is the fourth cornerback, and right now I'm not including Thomas Harper and Clarence Lewis because they're nickels, um, but if you, you think about it, Christian Gray probably could have been a starter on some Notre Dame teams in the past decade, maybe two decades for sure, and not even just the really bad ones. Like if I said he's going to be a starter on the 2016 team, you'd be like, okay, cool. You and I could probably have started on that 2016 team. That's how bad they were. But I, I think that he is that good. And the fact that he's your fourth cornerback says a lot about what this group is. And then, as I was just mentioning, Thomas Harper and Clarence Newis right there in the, uh, in the nickel position. If Thomas Harper is still healthy, and he is right now, I think he has the potential to be as good or better than Tariq Bracey was last season. He is a perfect nickelback because he can cover and he loves to hit so he can play in the box even if the offense is running uh, with three or four wide receiver sets you can put him out there and trust that he can come in and make a tackle in the box if necessary he's a very physical player arguably too physical for his own good that's why he's been banged up in the past but right now he's healthy uh, and I have really high hopes about what he could do for Notre Dame in this season Clarence Lewis I mean, he's a Sw- he's a perfect Swiss Army knife. He can come in. He could play either cornerback slot. He could play nickel. He could play wherever if you bring him in in the dime package. And he brings in a ton of experience uh, that you rarely, if ever, find from a backup cornerback or really backup defensive back. So the cornerback room is in a really, really great place. Frankly, as Notre Dame fans, we're not used to cornerback being a strength. Sure, we've had some good ones in the past, but if no one's ever going into the season, or no one has really gone into any Notre Dame season recently. You've been like, you know what we can count on with this team? The corners. I think way more often than not, uh, at least from Notre Dame teams in my lifetime, when I think of cornerback play, you know, the first memory that just popped in my head was Gary Gray, who's actually a pretty highly touted recruit just getting burnt all the time, including that Michigan game when, uh, yeah, they just picked on him and he gave up the game-winning touchdown when he could have just gotten a pass interference. But we are going to move past that um, because I want to be – uh, positive right now talking about this cornerback room because they are just that good. Uh, again, credit to Mike Mickens. He's revamped that room. And what does this do for the defense? It just opens up so many opportunities for defensive coordinator Al Golden. He can play more man coverage. He can blitz the quarterback more, which would hopefully mean getting more pressure on the quarterback. If you get more pressure on the quarterback, that's probably going to lead to mistakes. It's going to lead to takeaways. And hopefully that's not going to happen until like, what, week five last year? That's when Notre Dame first got, the Notre Dame defense got their first turnover. And I think just Drake May just dropped the ball. So I don't think that's going to be the case this year. When you have corners that are that good, you can trust them to basically eliminate their man from the play. And then you could throw all kinds of different things at the quarterback. You can disguise blitzes. You can put more guys in the box and stop the run. You can force pass-first offenses into doing things that they don't really want to do. But most of all, it helps the defensive line. And we've talked a lot about the defensive line on this podcast. I said this might be a weakness on the team. It's been a big concern of mine really all offseason. But 
Based on what we've been hearing and what we've been seeing in fall camp, it might not be the weakness that some, myself included, perceived it could be. If you had asked me going into camp, what is one position group you would like to see the most improvement from that could potentially change your outlook on the entire team? I would have said the defensive line, and I think that's what happened. I'm not saying that every defensive lineman on the team is going to be great and that all the problems solved there. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I think that this group is really starting to turn some heads, and that could really look, or that could change how we look at this defense. It starts on the interior because Riley Mills looks like he could be the player we always thought he could be now that he's playing his natural position inside at D-tackle. Howard Cross the third, he's healthy. We know he's good. He's a little bit undersized, but he is just so technically sound and has great hands. Uh, not worried about him at all. I wasn't worried about him before camp, but it's really about the guys behind uh, Mills and Howard Cross that have really been making a name for themselves so far in camp. Richard sophomore Gabriel Rubio and Jason Anye, they, they're, all the, they're the talk of the town. Right now, I know Rubio got some consistent work last season, so this isn't like a total surprise. He actually finished with four TFLs and 17 total tackles and under 200 snaps last season, so he was pretty effective. He's going to get a lot more uh, than 200 snaps this year, I think. And Jason Anye, he might also be one of the team's best trash talkers based on some of the stuff uh, that we've heard coming out of camp. And he's clearly continued on the upward trajectory that really started during spring practice. He's been a force uh, in the middle of that defense, and I think. He's going to be rotating a lot, and uh, we haven't heard as much about the Vipers or the strong side ends. I'm, I'm not concerned at all about the strong side ends because Nana Osafa Mensa is, is the clear leader of this group. He's been solid. He, he looks like he's going to be running out with the starters, but Javante Jean-Baptiste, the Ohio State transfer, is going to play a ton as well. I think those guys are going to rotate all the time. They're both solid. They've already proven that they can be solid on Saturday, so no questions about them at Viper. Jordan Botello is still going to get the majority of the reps. Uh, we know what he's good at. We know he's extremely violent. Um, but he's also going to be able to rotate with Junior Tuialamaka and Josh Burnham. Both of those guys seem a lot more comfortable at their new position. As you know, they're converted linebackers to Viper. Um, and the three of those guys, I think, will be will be solid this year. You want Jordan Botello to take that next step and be like a truly elite pass rusher. We haven't heard that yet, but then again, he's going against Joe Walt and Blake Fisher every day in practice, so it's going to be a little bit tougher. But again, iron sharpens iron, so I think that is really encouraging to hear. Notre Dame hasn't identified like a true bona fide star on the defensive line yet, but that could change with Riley Mills. Um, I, I really, really am high on him. We saw one clip that went out on Twitter where he just completely dominated Blake Fisher on a rep, and some people get a little bit... Uh, or they just overreact a little bit to one rep that, from one practice that goes out on social media. But I think that's just one play of many that Riley Mills is winning in practice. And that is a really, really good thing to hear if you're a Notre Dame fan because you need that defensive line to step up. No great college football team ever had a bad defensive line, or at least certainly not in this modern era of college football. Outside of quarterback, I think there's a, a really good case to be made that the defensive line is the most important thing you need in order to be a championship-caliber team. And, I'm, and am I ready to say this is a championship-caliber defensive line yet? No. Um, but I feel a lot better about this group now than I did about them going into camp. But when you look at this group, and stop me if you've heard this phrase before, I think the sum is going to be greater than its parts. Uh, and honestly, give some credit to Al Washington for that as well, because he was much blind at some points during this summer, but it seems like he's got this group headed in the right direction. And you know, behind them, we know that they've got a very experienced group of linebackers. I just talked about how elite the cornerbacks could be. 
yeah, sure, there might be some questions at safety, but if you've got a really good defensive line, really good linebackers and elite cornerbacks, odds are you're going to have a really good group on defense, uh, and that looks like Notre Dame could have that uh, in 2023. But as Marcus Freeman has taught us, with every rep, there's going to be a winner and a loser. And if these cornerbacks that I just mentioned are winning every rep, then what does that say about the receivers? I'll explain right after this. So another major talking point coming out of camp is the wide receivers and the perceived lack of development and lack of progress that they've made over the past few weeks. And I think a lot of people are wondering, how concerned should we feel about the wide receivers? And I'm not going to tell you how to feel, uh, but I will tell you how I feel. And you can kind of take that any way you want, really. I would say that I'm a little disappointed that we haven't heard one guy really step up and become the clear wide receiver number one. Even Jane Thomas, who we all have really high hopes for, I still think he's going to be the top wide receiver on the team this season. It doesn't seem like he had the type of camp that made you come out of that thinking, okay, he is clearly the guy. He has solidified himself as the number as the number one wide receiver. He's going to be the guy that we go to at the end of the games. It doesn't seem like that happened yet. It still could. There's still a couple weeks left to practice, and then you know he could develop as the season starts. But it still seems like that spot is kind of still up for grabs. I think we're all hoping that Tobias Merriweather would make the leap and, and become the player that we're all hoping that he could be in camp, but it doesn't seem like that's happened yet, and that's okay. He's still very young. He doesn't have a lot of experience yet, but we know that he's extremely athletic. Physically, he's got all the tools you want in a wide receiver, and I just think he's a little inconsistent right now. Um, that could change once the season starts, but right now, he didn't make that leap that we were hoping for. I was also hoping that Deion Colsey would build off his impressive second half in 2022, and that didn't happen. Frankly, a lot of the stuff we've heard about Deion Colsey is that somehow his development has, has sort of taken a step back, which is, I guess, becoming a thing with him. Um, last camp, the reports on him weren't great. Uh, but then again, then he comes in in this season and makes him really key plays, especially in the second half, especially on third down as well. So I don't know. Maybe he's just going to step in on Saturdays, but I, I don't really know. It seems like he's going to be clearly on the second unit, and he's going to be fighting with some of those freshmen. And I will say that it does seem like the freshmen, particularly Jane Greathouse and Rico Flores Jr., did have really good camps. Are they going to be a little bit inconsistent at times because they're true freshmen? Yeah, totally. It, it, it seems like they've got a good grasp on the playbook, but still, they've only been with the program eight months, and they haven't even played one snap of real college football on Saturday. So I think that there's still going to be a learning curve there, even though I think both of them are going to contribute a lot this fall. The thing is, these guys can improve as the season goes along, and I definitely expect that to happen here. And one key thing about this is that these guys are going up against some of the top cornerbacks in the country every single day in practice, especially Tobias Merriweather and Jane Thomas. Those are the two guys who are getting reps against Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison in one-on-ones, in seven-on-seven, in team drills and stuff. That is going to help them in the long term. Even if they're not winning every rep and even if they're losing the majority of the reps, it's still going to benefit them in the long run because iron sharpens iron. And those two guys are going to be a lot better because of what they're going up against in practice. And I'm hopeful that once the season starts and Notre Dame goes against corners on Navy and in Tennessee State and even NC State to a degree in Central Michigan, those guys on those opposing defenses who aren't as good as the ones that these Notre Dame wide receivers are going up against every day in practice, things will start to get a little easier for them on Saturdays and they can start making plays, building conf confidence, and hopefully develop so they do start going, uh, they do start getting a lot better going against really good corners and really good defenses like they will against Ohio State on September 23rd and then later in the season against Duke, one of those teams, and, and uh, Clemson as well. Like They're going to have to 
make plays against really good corners. So I'm not just giving them an excuse for losing reps in practice to good corners, but I'm saying that we've still got some time, right? It's early. And the starting wide receivers right now, it looks like it's going to be Jane Thomas, Tobias Merriweather, and Chris Tyree. I mentioned Jane Greathouse and Rico Flores. They're going to be in the mix. They're going to be right behind them. I could see one of those guys, maybe even both of them, starting by the second half of the season. And look, Matt Salerno, whether you like it or not, He's making plays in practice. He makes tough catches against some of the better corners. He blocks, and he knows where he's going to be or where he needs to be, and Sam Hartman is going to find him. So I know that fans don't love hearing that, but I think he's going to have a pretty good season. And I'm, I can't believe I made it this far without talking about Sam Hartman. He's going to get the ball to those guys when they're open, and he's also going to know where they need to be. He's going to understand the coverages. He's going to be able to make checks at the line of scrimmage to put his wide receivers in the best positions to be successful, and they will benefit greatly from that. And he's going to elevate uh, the potential for all the skill guys, really, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, everyone, uh, because he is that experienced, he's that talented, and he just knows the game of football that much. Another thing that's going to help the wide receivers is that the running game should be very effective no matter which running back is on the field. We know how good Audrey Castamay is, uh, and it seems like the coaching staff knows too because anytime there's like a little ding on Audrey Castamay, they just shut him down. They don't really need to, they don't need him to run himself into the ground in preseason camp because they are going to be giving him the rock a lot this season and for good reason. He's very, very talented. He has the chance to be a truly special running back for Notre Dame this season. But the guys behind him have really stepped up when Estimate is not out there on the practice field. Devin Ford, the Penn State transfer, he's been solid. I'm not going to lie. Didn't have super high expectations for him, given the fact that he was the third string running back at Penn State. Hasn't really played a lot of football in the past couple years, but he's impressed in camp. J.D. Price, uh, he's come a long way, even if he's not 100% healthy. I know that he's running a lot in practice, and the, the coaches are saying he's full of go. I believe that's true, but I don't believe that he's fully recovered from his injury and he's back to being the player that we heard about last spring when people were saying that he was actually better than Audrey Kessemay and Logan Diggs. I don't think he's there yet, but he's going to be able to contribute a lot this fall, and I think he might actually end up being the number two back against Navy. Jeremiah Love, a true freshman. We've heard a lot about his athletic ability, his speed. He's flashed a lot when he's healthy. Marcus Freeman said that he missed about, I believe it was two weeks of camp dealing with an injury. I don't know what the injury was, but now he's back. He's contributing, and he was out there on the field in that scrimmage this past Saturday. So there are a lot of guys behind Audrey Estime who can carry the ball, but Estime is going to lead the way. And having Sam Hartman is great. It's going to open the passing game up so much more, but I still believe at the end of the day, a Marcus Freeman team is going to be a run-first team because he's an old-school guy. He likes physicality. The dude's a linebacker, right? Like He's going he's gonna to live by the old-school f- philosophy of you got to be able to run the ball and you got to stop the run. I mean, he played for Jim Trussell. Jim Trussell is like one of his idols, for God's sakes. We should be grateful that he doesn't try to punt on third down like Jim Trussell probably would have wanted to do. But he also wants a very physical team, and that's what I want to stress here about this team's identity. It sounds like this team... This group is a very, very physical bunch. They're going to hit you, they're going to run you over, and they're going to let you know about it uh, because it sounds like there's a lot of very healthy competition going on in these practices, and I think we should all be very excited about that. This team's identity resembles their head coach because for as smooth and as GQ as Marcus Freeman appears in front of the camera when we see him way more often than not, that dude is a dog. We've heard it. And we're starting to see it. That one clip that went viral when he was like, there's a winner and there's an effing loser. That speech that he gave to the team in camp, it got me going. 
okay? I was like, oh my God, here we go. This is the Marcus Freeman that we've kind of heard about, but we have not seen a, a ton of yet. And uh, we've heard that he loves to get after it in, in practice, and he loves the healthy competition that's going on between the offense and the defense, and we're starting to see it. And I think this team competes really, really hard in practice. It's a very physical group. So far, they made it through camp with only two season-ending injuries, which is very unfortunate, but it happens. Ingo Byer is out for the year. Um, that's unfortunate. That hurts depth on the defensive line. And then Kevin Bauman, God bless him, man. This is like his third leg injury, third season-ending leg injury since he arrived on campus at Notre Dame. He tore his ACL, too. Uh, at this point, no starters have suffered a season-ending injury, knock on wood. Um, but I really like what I'm hearing about this team, and I'm getting more excited about what they can accomplish with each passing day. Do they still have some flaws, some things that they need to get figured out? Yes. Are they going to get it all figured out before week one? No. They're going to have to learn as the season goes on. They're going to have to develop, uh, and they're going to have to fix some mistakes, and there's going to be some things that we don't even really know about right now that we'll find out uh, in week one or maybe week two or hopefully not week two against Tennessee State, but maybe week three against NC State. Uh, and we're going to learn. But I think this team is positioned well. The schedule helps them out, at least at the beginning of the year, because they can, they've got some runway here, okay? And I feel really good about what this group can be. I'm really excited about them, uh, and I cannot wait to watch them in Dublin. And I, I, I can't believe how close the season is right here. This is my 90th episode of Locked on Irish, and I have yet to talk about a single game because I've been doing it throughout the offseason. But that is going to do it for me today. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. Remember to subscribe and give us a follow on Twitter at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler W O J C I A K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.